Hello, my friend, and welcome to the Mark Stuchowski Podcast, the show that's all about helping you perform at an optimum level. I am Mr. Productivity, and it is my obsession in life to teach you how to be a more productive version of you. And one of the ways I do that is by inviting you to take my free seven-question productivity quiz on my website, mrproductivity.com. Dot com. Pass or fail, I promise you will learn something. The free seven-question productivity quiz at mrproductivity.com. Today in the show, Danny Haras. He is going to be talking to you about happiness. Don't you want to be happy? Guess what? You can be happy. And best of all, it's your choice. So if you're not walking or driving, get yourself a notebook and something to write with. Use the pause button on your podcast player because this episode is going to teach you a lot. Danny, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Well, you know, we are here on May the 28th dealing with COVID-19. You and I were talking a little bit about it before we pressed record and when we did the pre-interview call. Uh, I don't know where you fall on this, but I have some very controversial opinions on this because... They just announced that Disney World's going to be open in, in June, June and July. I think Universal Studios can be opening up soon, and you got to wear masks. And I'm I'm thinking to myself, I I don't think they should make masks mandatory because um, I think it should be optional. But I don't think it should be mandatory because what's going to happen? You have twenty, thirty thousand people in the park. What are you going to do when people get in the park and they start discarding their mask? You're going to kick everybody out. I, so I don't think they thought. Maybe they thought this through. I don't know. I don't think that COVID nineteen is the only thing you can catch at Disney World. As a matter of fact, I know it's not. You can catch the flu, which also kills people. I think it should be a personal choice. And so I will not be going to Disney or Universal or Sea World until the masks are optional. Uh, I'll just keep my money at home. I like it in my wallet better anyways because these are not cheap places to go on vacation they're not cheap places to go on vacation and you know mark what i said to you before i'll, I'll just say it again here is we're, we're dealing with something that's unprecedented and none of us have ever done this before and so people are going to be in all sorts of spaces about it and what i found to work for me is really just bring compassion uh to the situation because i've never dealt with this before and you've never dealt with this before and the rest of the people in the country and the world have never dealt with this before and so people are going to do what people are going to do. And the only thing that I would hope and ask for of everyone is to really just think about others, bef- think about others in addition to thinking about themselves, because this is something that can wreak havoc as we've seen. So, yes. you know, more than ever, I think it's so important for us to be mindful and have our attention on the people around us, which, you know, no surprise, I would say that given, given what I'm up to. <laughs> yeah. Now, doesn't it surprise you when the CDC first came out? By the way, folks, we're going to get to why Danny's on the show in just a minute. But <laughs> don't you think it's interesting when the CDC first came out and said you should be washing your hands for 20 seconds, that people thought this was something earth shattering, something brand new. When I first heard that personally, I'm like, you haven't been washing your hands your entire life. Did that shock you as well? Uh, it did shock me a little bit. At the same time, it didn't, though, Mark, because, you know, I got to tell you, I've known some people. I've known some people to not wash their hands. And I'm talking about in, you know, what you might consider sensitive uh, scenarios. They don't wash their hands. And so for some people, it was a really good first lesson. <laughs> you know, I don't know if they teach washing hands in schools these days. I don't know. I, I mean, I haven't been in elementary school for a long time now. But, you know, it's 
look, if, if people are learning that lesson for the first time, good. At least now we can all get on the same page. But again, like I said to you before, there's a reason why doctors discovered that washing their hands could save lives. That's because it does. And uh, we'd all do well to follow in their footsteps and wash our hands. You know, if you're going out, when you come back home, wash your hands. You know, we've got a rule in, in our house. Um, we wash our hands as soon as we come in from the outside. It's just what we do. And uh, my my girlfriend is a, is a physician. And so that was a, a policy, if you will, that we had in place well before COVID. But it really does work. Washing hands saves lives. <laughs> and it doesn't take that long. 20 seconds, you know, who doesn't have 20 seconds to save a life? Because it could be yours. So uh, anyway, so we are in unprecedented times, like you said. But you know what? I, I, there's two sorts, there's two types of people I see as a general overview. There are people who got unfortunately furloughed and they're like staying up all hours of the night, binge watching TV, and then they sleep in until 9, 10, 12 o'clock in the, in the afternoon. And then they watch the news for four or five hours and they go back to binge watching. And then there's the other group of people who are saying, look at this COVID-19 epidemic sucks, but you know what? I've been meaning to take this course and you know, I've never had the time. Now I got the time. I'm going to finally uh, start writing that book. I'm going to launch my podcast. I'm going to uh, figure out how to win at YouTube or Instagram or Facebook. And so I think it's very interesting that people are looking at this this epidemic, this pandemic, two entirely different ways. And I, I, I like to think my listeners, the listeners of the Mark Stuchowski podcast are in the latter group. They're like, you know what? I'm not going to binge watch TV all day. I'm going to like do stuff that's going to improve myself. So let's talk about that for a few minutes. Let's talk about that for a few minutes. Oh, go ahead. Well, <laughs> I'm throwing the gauntlet over to you, buddy. So, so, yeah. So look, I mean, I, I think I fell into that latter category as well. When this first happened, you know, picture this. I'm on the verge of signing a quarter of a million dollar contract with a major, major company. Already have uh, a near six figure contract with another. It was a German auto brand. Incredibly prestigious you know, since November had been leading trainings at their headquarters, worked with 600 of their people between then and March. And then, you know, this crisis, if you want to call it a crisis, and I think many people would say it is this pandemic hits. Okay. So I leave, I leave on my, my business trip to return home. And all of a sudden people around me are starting getting sick. And my brother is starting to get cases in his hospital of COVID. And my uncle comes down ill. And it's like, okay, well, I need to, you know, I want to, I want to do, I want to do something. Everything's falling apart. Let me, let me be proactive. Let me make things happen. And so, you know, when I created my business, Mark, the intention was always to be a digitally native company, you know, one that operates and provides its offerings online. My background's big consulting. I've always known traveling to the client site. So for me, the time initially provided the space to create offerings and recreate my brand such that it was digitally native, you know, really just doing things online. So I started recording my educational content so I could put it online. Now for me, and I can only really speak, you know, to my experience, Mark, for me, when my uncle passed, because he did, he passed, he passed from COVID in early April. At, before he passed, I was gung-ho, working my butt off, trying to be productive and taking all this time. And, you know, with everything shut down, a very interesting thing happened. As I mentioned, my girlfriend's a physician and her clinic got shut down because of executive mandate. Here I was working, you know, 10 hours a day, every single day of the week. And then something kind of shattering happens. And right there, I could see I had a choice. Sure, I could use the time to work. And that is one way of being productive. 
And in another sense, what I saw is that for the first time, I had this unprecedented time, an unexpected time with my girlfriend where she couldn't work. She was ordered not to work and she was at home. And, you know, I started to imagine what would it be like if she and I could actually use this time to spend it together and grow even closer together? What would that be like? What would it be like if I wasn't spending 10 hours a day working? What if, what if I was working not on my business, but on my relationship, on the things that, you know, work does bring me joy, but my relationship with my girlfriend is the number one thing that brings me the most joy in the whole world. And so this is going to sound maybe <laughs> juvenile, but what we did, Mark, is we actually created our schedule together as if we were at day camp. She had never been to day camp growing up. That wasn't something she was oh, able to there's do. Nothing like day camp. Right. So <laughs> I'm, I'm tell, this is, picture this staying up till two or three in the morning, doing stories, you know, having candles, hot cocoa, waking up at 10 a.m. to Reveille, like that. <laughs> and then really, like that's that what was happening. And then we, we'd wake up and we'd watch a Disney movie. Now I'm 33 years old. We woke up watching Disney movies, okay? Like 101 Dalmatians or The Little Mermaid. And then we'd have pancakes. And then we'd have reading hour. We picked six different books that we're reading from. The goal was to finish six books in 45 days. Now we fell short, but we finished some incredible books and started reading some incredible books, books from, you know, notable speakers and thought leaders. And so that was really fun. And we'd have game hour and art hour and we'd make all our meals together. And we'd have family hour where we'd make phone calls to people in our life. We'd have camp recess when one of us had something else scheduled, but that's what I did for about two weeks straight. And that was for me, very productive, really incredibly productive. Uh, you know, it's, it's, um, it's something I'll always be able to remember. It's something I'll always say, I did that. And I had choices. I could have focused on work, which is nothing, by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. And I chose to do differently. And, and really in the face of my uncle passing, he was someone who said all the time, hey, look, I've been a provider and I did that my entire life. And if you could do anything, make sure you find the joy in every single day. And that's what, you know, that's what this pandemic has given me. You know, it's given me the opportunity to look at what it is I'm doing with myself and what I want for my life and to really evaluate, you know, someday I'm, I'm not going to be here. You know, we all, we all end with dirt in our face. What? What? Is that a spoiler yeah. alert or what? Yeah, it's a spoiler, spoiler <laughs> alert. We're all, we, all, we all end up with dirt in our face. And, you know, as great as I plan on my company being and as great as it already is, no one's going to remember that when I'm gone. Mm. In fact, no one's going to, at some point, no one's going to remember me. And that's just the, that's just the fact, you know, that's just the fact of life. Well, it's a good point. You look back at the the people we've lost. I mean, look at Prince, look at Aretha Franklin, look at all these big people that have died, Michael Jackson and a whole host of people have died, obviously. And how much do we remember them now? And we don't. And they were, they were international pop stars. And right. most people don't even talk about them day to day, unless you were like a huge fan of theirs. Most people don't think about it. And you think about our lives, you know, what kind of dent are we making in the universe to use the words of Steve Jobs, another guy who passed away? You know, we're all going to die. And I think people are that I see, especially on social media, I see people more concerned about impressing all these people they don't know when they're not giving love to the people closest to them in their lives. I think we have it backwards. I, I, yeah. You know, it's really, it, you put it so beautifully there. And again, similarly with people who want to make the choice to wear masks or not, and I'm really just, my mission is to just bring nothing to the space. And from nothing, I can generate compassion and 
acceptance and understanding and even excitement about whatever it is people are up to. And that's a personal choice. And you got to constantly make that choice every second of every day. And we, you know, for me, my life is about the people I love and I got a lot of love so I can give it to a lot of people. But, you know, my girlfriend, someone I live with, she's right, you know, she's right here all the time. And if I can't give her the experience I'm out to provide to her, then what am I doing? That's the foundation for everything else I do. That's how it is for me. So for me, it was really important to, to focus on that foundation. And when I do that, I'm free to do everything else that I want to do in the world and really just take on and anything I want to take on, no matter what the challenge, no matter what the obstacle, no matter, no matter what the situation is, when my foundation is strong and dynamic, I can do whatever I want in the world. So that to me was what I saw was the, was the opportunity really spend time focusing on the, the things that are most important. And honestly, my business is not the most important thing to me. It's very important to me, but it's not the most important thing to me. It, 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 it never will be. Not after what I've seen, not after the, what I've discovered for myself. And look, really, that's just me. There's nothing wrong with those who have their business be their number one. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Really, go for it. Have that be the case. I just believe and see for myself that I can have my business not be the most important thing and still be wildly successful. And there was a book written oh, a number of years ago about the five regrets of the dying. And not one of those regrets were, I wish I wish I went to another meeting. I wish I went on another <laughs> business trip. They were all about, I wish I spent more time basically with my people in my life I love the most. And we all know that. I think in our hearts, we all know that. And yet we get caught up in how many likes did I get in my picture? How many views did I get in my video? How many followers do I have? No, I think you did the right thing. And you said back, okay, what's important? Okay, yes, yeah, so making money is important. But I know a lot of people, and I'm sure you've read about them online. You maybe know some of them personally. People are very wealthy. They've got the islands and the private planes and the Lamborghinis, but they're not happy. They've got tons yeah, of money. So and I yeah. know people who are dirt poor who are really happy. So money, I believe, is just a magnifier. If you're happy and poor, you'll be happy and rich. If you're miserable and poor, you're going to be miserable and rich. So I just I think that you are doing the right thing. You need to, I, when I say you, I mean the listener needs to step back and go, what is important to me? And if you don't know, I think you need to go take a half-hour walk someplace don't talk to anybody. Don't be on your phone. Don't be on social media. Don't listen to a book. Don't listen to a podcast. And and just say, okay, you know, what is important to me? What is important to me? Because I think we really need to think about that on a regular basis as you are doing right now. Yeah. And you know, Mark, you said something earlier. People are looking to impress everyone. So much of our lives, and for your listeners, this is a really, this is a really good inquiry to be in, but how much of our lives is driven by looking good? Yep. And avoiding looking bad. I just I just completed an online course this weekend. It was live, but online, and um, really, really, really got that. <laughs> we create so much additional meaning in the world, and really, this might sound a little radical, but there's no inherent meaning in anything. We produce all of that from our minds and project it out into the world. That's that's something that I really subscribe to. It's a notion that I really, really am taken with, and. I'm just not looking to have my life be about looking good unless I'm owning it. Like, hey, I'm doing this to look good. <laughs> when I put out my marketing materials and when I do things, yeah, I want it to look good. And I'm really clear that for some people, it's going to look great. And for other people, it's not going to look great. And none of that means anything. Yep. And from there, 
from there, because none of it means anything, I can do anything because I'm not concerned with, oh, is this going to look bad, look bad or is this going to look good? <laughs> so it gives me the ability to say whatever I'm saying to you right now because yeah. I'm not really concerned with what you're going to think of it. Now, awesome. I'm so glad that you think that I made the right choice in what I'm doing. And that's a meaning you get to ascribe to what I'm doing. It has nothing to do with me, actually, in reality. And that's a very freeing concept for me. And I, in my life, I bring it beyond concept and I live it every single day. And it just frees me up to to be who I who to be what lights me up in the world. I get to be whatever I say I'm going to be because that's what's inspiring to me. I don't have to do it because someone else wants me to do it or because someone else thinks I should do it or that's the right thing or this is the wrong thing or this is what I agree with, this is what I don't agree with. Now that stuff still creeps into my head. It's just like creeps in everybody's head. But I'm doing every every day I'm doing what I can to not be run by that little voice in my head that doesn't shut up. It'll never shut up until I'm dead. Because if I don't listen to that little voice, then I can just do whatever the hell I want. Mm -hmm. And one of the people I really admire is Gary Vaynerchuk. Now, if you know Gary Vaynerchuk, he he does not dress in suits. He doesn't – a lot of times he's not shaven. He is who he is. Now, I love the guy except for his potty mouth, but he's brilliant. (laughs) And he doesn't care what you think, and he does care what you think. And you have to stop and think about that for a second. What? He cares and doesn't care? He's being 100% himself. And I think we need to stop living our lives being with the goal of impressing other people and just say, listen, am I happy? Am I happy? Are you really happy, listener? Are you happy? I mean, Danny and I don't know the answer to that question. We know how we rate ourselves. But if you don't know, again, take time to think about that. Don't stop going through life you know, Monday to Tuesday to Wednesday to Thursday to Friday to Saturday to Sunday. Stop and go, am I happy? And if you're not happy, why? What do you need to do to make yourself happy? Maybe you need to take some time off. Maybe you need to watch a Disney movie as Danny did. Or uh, maybe you need to set yourself up like a, a day, day camp schedule. Figure out what's going to make you happy because life is not going to make you happy. You you become happy based on the choices you make. And I see so many people in this world, Danny, they're just so unhappy. And I'm like, why? And they're like, ah, I don't know. I'm like, well, wait, there's a problem here. Because you know you're not happy. You just told me you're not happy. But you don't know why. And I think you need to investigate that. You need to do, do some self-discovery and find out why you're not happy. Because what is the point of living this single life we have unhappy? Go find something that makes you happy. And don't lead with money. The money's there, great, but go find something that makes you happy. Maybe it's volunteering at the local zoo to, to, I don't know, give baths to turtles. I don't know where I came up with that, but maybe that'll make you happy, okay? Go do something to make you happy, even if it's a few hours a week, because you get one life and you you should be happy, but only you can control whether you're happy or not. Yeah, and well, so right there, Mark, what you just said right there, only you can control whether you're happy or not. So I assert that our circumstances have absolutely nothing to do with our emotional state, our, our way of being, rather, our way of being, being happy, being sad, being mad, being ecstatic, being excited. It's, a, it's like a, a myth, a cruel myth that our circumstances have anything to do with what we have or what we do or the circumstances we face. You know, even when my uncle passed, that's what happened. That's what happened. And of course, I could be sad about that. And everyone would understand that I'm sad about it. But when you look, there's a moment where I'm no longer being sad. 
Is he still gone? He's still gone. Did that change? That didn't change. And he's still gone right now. Mm. And I can be sad about it. I can do that. There's nothing wrong with that. And I can also be anything else I choose to be because I choose it. It has nothing to do with the circumstances. Right now, I'm staring out into a gray sky. It's about the thunderstorm. <laughs> there's nothing like, there's no meaning there. Rain's going to happen. Some people look at rain, they go, oh, mopey, because it's raining. <laughs> well, there's no meaning in the rain. It didn't rain to, to, to pour on your parade. It's raining because it's raining, you know? So, yeah. you know, even when it's come, you know, going to the zoo or whatever, you know, whatever the suggestion, what I would say to the listeners is really get <laughs> You're, the way you're being has nothing has nothing to do with what you're doing or what you have. You get to be anything you want at any time. Every single second of every single day, we get to be who we want to be because we said so. And that that is what, to me, freedom and power really look like. 100%. Well, let yeah. me move on to the fact that you're the founder of the Emotion. Did I say that right? Emovation? Emovation. 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 Yeah, you Emovation. Yeah. So I really like that because when I first saw that, when you first reached out to me about being on the show, I'm like, emo, emo, emovation? Okay. Oh, I see where he's going with this. And that's kind of a tongue twister there. Um, so tell us a little bit about what is the Emovation Project. Awesome. Yeah, it's a bit of a tongue twister. So emovation is a combination of the words emotions and innovation. Specifically, the the word emovation means innovating with emotions, innovation powered by emotions. And the entire intention of the project, I mean, the project is a company, but the project's mission is to empower people who want to step into their own leadership so that they can get the kind of results from the world that they want to get specifically in the workplace or really any area of life. Because the way I have it, people, you know, well, let's just look at, let's look at a workplace example, Mark. Uh, profits are often how we measure the success of a company. Would you agree? Yes. Okay. Now, profits are based on performance, company performance. Would you agree? Yes. Great. The only thing that produces performance are people. There's no other performance. It's the people's performance in the company that produces profits. People power the company's performance. Therefore, people power a company's profits. But so often, we don't focus on people in our company. We focus on process technology. Yep. People, process, technology. Those are the three things everybody talks about. I can't, I, I haven't heard, I, I, I've heard it too many times. Oh, we're at the intersection of people, process, and technology. I haven't seen an innovation in people in forever. I see all these technological innovations, all these process te- innovations. But where's the innovation in how we deal with people? See, I have it that many companies and leaders, you know, so-called leaders of many companies have forgotten that the only reason why their company even continues to exist is because they have people working there. And the moment you forget about that, you kind of lose track of what you're in the business of in the first place. Mm. Without your people, you don't have a business. So to me, they're the number one most important thing you can focus on. And your profits will come as a result. So the Emovation Project exists to remind businesses, to remind those who call themselves leaders, that they're leading people. People power your profits. So focus on your people so they can do everything they can to power your profits. And that's why innovating innovating with emotions, Mark, because when you're not feeling like you want to perform, because you don't feel valued, don't feel recognized, you don't feel appreciated, you don't feel inspired, you don't feel connected, you don't give your best performance, period. 
And for the listeners out there, just look for yourself. When you're feeling like you don't want to, are you really giving your best most of the time? Probably not because there's something in your way. So for me, with the Emovation Project, the opportunity is to really empower leaders, to empower their people so they can have the results they've always wanted for their business and their life. That's what the Emovation Project is all about. And the reason why I call it a project, Mark, is because I come from big consulting. And consulting to me, so often we go into a client and we provide recommendations and it's like having a trainer at the gym. The trainer can tell you all the things you need to do, but if you don't do them, you don't get the results that they're intending for you. It's it's really no different with consulting. This is like the secret truth behind consulting. We'll go in and we'll tell clients what they want to hear. Well, not what they want to hear. We'll tell them anything that we see for them to do. And so often what there is to do is a lot. They have to spend a lot of money. They already spent money on us, but now they got to spend more money. They got to spend more time. They got to find the right people. They got to find the right resources. And they, 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 it's, that's a huge piece of it. They don't know what to do. And so they're left with this big question mark. So with this project, I am clear that it's a constant evolution. It's a project because it requires people to really buy into the, the message, to, to, to subscribe to this notion that if we empower our people, the results will come. And I don't know that I have the right answers, but I can certainly ask the right questions. So well, let, me to get, me let me ask you, let me get real practical here because I want to yeah. make sure that the listener is tracking with you. So give us just one idea of helping people innovate and helping leaders, I should say, innovate their people. Just give us one practical idea that we can grab onto and understand what you're saying. Yeah. So if you have a team of people that you lead, even if it's just one person, you got to ask yourself, how are they performing? And then the question is, well, how do you think they're feeling about their work, about you, about the workplace, about the company? And if any of those feelings, if, if their performance isn't matching what you think it ought to match, and if you don't know how they're feeling, the question is, well, how would you want them to feel? How would you want them to feel? And so the, the practical tip, Mark, is to really find out Look at your situation in the workplace. Look at your situation in life. How are you performing? How are the people around you performing? And if it's not what you think it ought to be, I assert that it's probably because of something they're feeling or not feeling. And the best way for me to make the practical mark is to, is to give an example. I can do that if that, if that works for Absolutely. the Absolutely. Okay. So I was talking to someone last week and... Um, he shared with me that he had an employee who didn't show up to work, just didn't show up to work randomly. And he had this big project to to complete on. And so the employee then sent an email and said, Oh, Hey, um, I'm actually going to file for unemployment. I'd like for you to help me with this and and log my, you know, tell me, you know, apparently with the paperwork, there's some hours you have to produce, provide so that he could say he had zero hours and he could get more money. And it turned out he'd make more money on unemployment than he would in his job. And so the manager thought to himself, well, gee, you've been reliable. Now you're not. I, no, I'm not doing this with you. This is the time to work. He um, was focused on his own experience as a manager right there. He was focused on, oh my goodness, my employee didn't show up. I have to, I'm panicked now. I've got to complete this project. What's going on? He's got, I got to lay down the letter of the law. That's what leadership looks like today. Laying down the letter of the law. I'm going to establish my authority. And he's going to get, he's going to come to work and get his job done. It didn't work out so well. What happened instead is this employee sent him a really nasty email a couple, hour, a couple hours later 
explaining all the reasons why he wasn't comfortable, especially given cer- you know current set of circumstances. And this manager looked at what had happened, and he could really see, oh my goodness, I was focused on the experience I was having, me as a manager. I was focused on me and how I was feeling, and I was feeling abandoned, and I was feeling like I was lied to. I was feeling like I couldn't trust this guy. I couldn't trust this guy to come to work. And so his behavior, his actions were given by, I don't feel like I can trust this person. I'm feeling slighted. I'm feeling abandoned. And the experience he then delivered to the employee was inside of that. So he, you know, he laid down the law. He, he put his foot down. And he didn't really make the employee feel safe or heard. And so that continued until, until this manager interrupted his own pattern of behavior and said, okay, I want this person to really feel safe. I want this person to have an opportunity to share and feel heard. Okay, now with a new context for how I'm going to behave, let me go ask him, hey, you know, all of a sudden it felt like you were just coming, you know, decided not to come to work. What had you not share this before? And that, that provided a brand new conversation. All inside of, I used to just think you were sliding me. I couldn't trust you. And I felt abandoned. I put that aside. Now I'm curious to know, but how did you not feel safe? Because I'd want you to feel really safe. What had you not feel like you could trust me to come, come to me with this information before you decided not to leave? Hmm. That, that's that the- reminds me when I was, this is way in another lifetime, I used to work for a company and they used to, they got on the bandwagon of taking different employees out to lunch offsite with the whole point of talking to them and finding out what their issues were. And I was new. I didn't know anything. I was new in business, you know, corporate America, whatever. So I'd go there and I was naive to think, hey, this is a safe environment. Well, he says, tell me whatever is going on. What, what This is like my supervisor's direct, assistant director. Okay. So there went, this, went the supervisor, the manager, and then the manager's boss who took like three or four employees out. And so he goes, yeah, you can tell me anything. It, it Total confidence. And this, this assistant director, by the way, was from the military. So we believe very strongly in the chain of command. So we had the great lunch and I felt really good. I'm like, man, this guy really cares. And then what he did is he went back to his office, called my supervisor over to his bill, to his office, another building and told him everything I said at the meeting. And so that supervisor comes back and he starts reading me the riot act. Mm. Now, as an employee, obviously I never shared anything after that time again because I didn't feel safe because you mentioned the word safe a couple of times and made me angry, made me resentful because this, this high ranking in the department official told me this is a safe space. He used those words. I want to know what's going on. Share your thoughts, good, bad, or indifferent. And then he violated that because he says in the military, I go by the chain of command. So instead of trying to figure out how we can, you know, ease the, the tension where I was in the department I was working at, he just went to my boss who I was talking about at the luncheon. And so that goes, he could have used your training. <laughs> he went exactly <laughs> opposite what you're talking about. Well, and, and so right there, Mark, I have a question for you, and I really need to answer this honestly, okay? Once that happened, if you were to evaluate your performance on the job, would you say it was better or worse than it had been after that happened? Oh, that, it was worse. I, I didn't care. It's just like, you know, I, I would do the minimum amount of work I go. had to do because 
I realized that the, they didn't really care about me. I was not a person. I was a number. I was an expense. Yeah. Did you get the job done? Check yes or no. And I didn't feel, yeah, they did the once a month we had like donuts at the meeting and stuff like that. And, and once a year we had a cookout, but that, that, that was like tactics. That was like, you know, the, the cherry on top of the ice cream. Yeah. You I saw want, right through it. Yeah. I wanted to feel cared for mm-hmm. every day I went to work. I want them to say, Hey, how's your wife? How's your kids? How you feeling? You know, how, how's this? How's this? Talk about sports or nothing. It was all business. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, you got to show people you care because if they don't feel they care, well, why are they there? The money. Uh, I like when people, I saw a study not too long ago. Maybe, you know, the study, they said well, people are more motivated by them feeling cared for than money. I have seen that study. And you know, it's so funny about that Mark is, you know, the context that's, that's present for those who are all business. Those are the same people say that there's no place for emotions in the workplace. But here's the thing about that. And this is why I have my company, what we, you know, this is why I do what I do. We're humans. Every second of every single day, we're having emotions. We're experiencing something that we can describe with emotions. Any word you can insert after I feel, he feels, she felt, they felt, that's an emotion. That's an emotion. And to think that we turn off emotions when we get to work is, it's absurd. Yeah. It's absurd. And you can't manage. You can't ma- you can't lead people. Actually, you can manage any way you want, but you can't really lead people. You can't actually get them to perform without producing the kind of emotions for them that they would need, the kind of environment they would need. Because emotions, the way you feel, is part of your environment. So then, give it their best every single day. You just saw it with you, and it's not just with you. You can look in any environment. I even I even spoke with an Olympic uh, Olympic rower. He was on the rowing team, the American rowing team, years back. And he told me that he felt the rowing team culture was toxic, toxic. Now his team placed fourth in the Olympics and they had it. They were out to win a medal. They were out to medal. And I said, Hey, what was the only difference between you and the results that you wanted? You thought you wanted to achieve? And he's like, absolutely. The, the culture, the environment. And I said, what do you think it would have been like if you, you had it? The coaches were supportive and caring and empowering and inspiring. He's like, Oh, no doubt. We would have, you know, we had the talent. No doubt. We would have won. And that's the kind of stuff we're talking about. It makes all the difference in the world. It makes a difference between achieving your dreams and almost just getting there. You know, they who knows what who knows what contribution you could have been for that company if they had had you feel cared for. I mean, you're Mr. Productivity, right? So what would it have been like if you brought all that productivity to your role, but you didn't because you didn't really feel like it? It was that simple. You didn't really feel like it because they had you feel not cared for, not safe. Yep. They had you feel violated, is what you said. That's a really strong emotion. Yeah, it is. I mean, the 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 free T-shirt every year was nice at the big party, but you know that lasts three hours. <laughs> what about the rest of the year? And you're right, a hundred percent. It's right. And I think you mentioned we're humans, and I I believe we should treat people the way we want to be treated. And part of the problems what I didn't share with you is my supervisor's manager. Now they both, all three of us, worked in the same area. Okay, he was a tyrant. He was a tyrant. And so he would always ream the supervisor who would ream the workers. And so the whole environment was very toxic. Mm-hmm. You go tell the assistant director who was in another building what was going on. He didn't believe it because he didn't see it. He wasn't over there seeing what's going on. And as you can imagine, if you're not there 
and you're not seeing it really happen, you're hearing a hearsay, and then you have the mindset from the military, oh, I go by chain of command, I'll ask the supervisor, he says it's not a problem, you stop there. Well, no, what you need to do is honestly take some people from the department out for lunch and truly mean when you say, this is a safe environment, what's said here stays here, that's why you make changes. But if you just can go back and tell their immediate supervisor, well, would you waste the company's money taking them out to lunch for? It's a, it was a waste of time. Yeah, I mean, it's so from the perspective of the person who's violated, of course, that would you know that makes sense. Now, who knows? Who knows what the actual intention was of the supervisor and your supervisor's supervisor? Right? Yeah. Maybe their intention was to suss out whatever sort of negativity they saw, you know, in the workplace, and then they could address it. Maybe that was you know for them it could, it could have been an intention fulfilled. But the, the, the point that you've made, and it's so clear, is that it left you feeling violated, and therefore your performance was, was impacted. Yeah. And that's the thing that people so often forget. You know, and you mentioned it so beautifully where you described you know, your super, your, the supervisor's supervisor would remount the supervisor. The supervisor would remount his people. It is a, it's a chain reaction, and it really does start from the top. And so many business leaders, quote-unquote business leaders, you know, they forget that whatever company they started, whatever, whatever it is they're up to, that's some sort of dream for them. And the moment they hire somebody, they're hiring somebody to help make, them, make their dreams come true. Yeah. You know, I'll never forget. I'll, I'll share one more example with you, Mark. I'll never forget. I, I, worked, I worked with a, uh, an owner of a premium audiovisual installation business. You know, he puts in home theaters and security cameras, and really the, the highest end stuff you could imagine. And his dream is to have his business be at $10 million a year like clockwork. That's really important to him. That that number is very important to him. He's you know he's come from another country. He always wanted to know success in that kind of way. And to him, you know, that's the American dream. So I said, all right, well, picture this: you've got your company, you're making ten million a year. You barely have to spend any time making things happen. You're no longer spending the time in the you know the very narrow attics doing the wiring yourself. You're not doing that. Instead, you got all these people who are working. And you see at the end of the year, you're bringing in 10 million, you got your profits through the roof. How would you want those people who are working with you to feel? And he said to me, say, Danny, oh my goodness, I want my people to feel loved. I want them to feel appreciated and cared for. I want them to be so excited about what we're up to. I said, that's so great. Now, you're not making 10 million a year right now. You're making about 400,000 a year. When was the last time you had your people feel loved, appreciated, and cared for? And he looked at me dumbfounded, Mark. And he said, they definitely don't feel that way. And I said, why do you think that is? And he goes, well, because every time they do something I don't approve of, I yell at them. And I don't know how to have them feel that way. Mm. And he could see that the only thing stopping his team's performance <laughs> was the way he was making them feel. And I'm, you know, I'm ecstatic to report that in a coaching conversation. I said, all right, well, what's the number one thing you'd want your people to feel? And he said, well, I want them to feel supported. I said, okay, well, what do you do about that? And he said, well, you know, I guess I can ask them what it would take to have them feel supported. I said, you could, couldn't you? He goes, I do. I I can do that. So he did. And I got to tell you, he told me about the conversations he had with his employees when he started doing this. And they were shocked because all of a sudden, and this this is key, this is critical, His attention was no longer focused on the experience he was having as the owner of his business. 
It was no longer about the experience he was having interacting with his employees. Now his attention was focused on the experience he was delivering to his team, to the people who were going to make his dreams come true. And so in doing that, in that small context shift, he was able to see, all right, well, now I need to empower them so they can empower my dreams. So what's it going to take to have them feel supported? Let me go find out. And that's what he's done. And his entire business has shifted as a result. He's having unprecedented success. And not only is he having success financially, he's having success experientially because he's no longer focused on all the incompetency that he sees around him. Incompetence, rather. He's not focused on that. He's focused on whatever it's going to take to have his people feel supported. And feeling supported, that's an emotion. I feel supported. I feel like you are supportive. That's just another way to express an emotion. And he's focused on that. And that's delivering him the results he wants for his business and for his people. Mm-hmm. That's the power of innovating with emotions. And when I say innovation, I don't mean some big technological innovation. That's not what innovation means. By different definition, innovation is bringing something new. Bringing something new. And so if you're constantly bringing a set of emotions that create a negative environment, an innovation would be bringing forth emotions that create a positive environment or just a different environment, something new. Wow. And that's what, that's what he's doing. That's what people all around the country are doing because of emovation. That's what, it, that's what it can produce. It can produce results like you've never seen before. That's why I get so amped up about it. If you don't think I'm amped up, I am amped <laughs> up. You know, it's like if you, you got to stop focusing on the experience we're having in life. You know, Mark, I got a big secret for you. Ready for the big secret? Sure. If I was to rate life in every area of life in a scale of zero to 10, and I asked every single person on the planet if they'd want a zero, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, or 10, everybody's going to say they want a 10. You know? Mm-hmm. That's the secret. Everyone wants a 10. Here's what nobody sees. If you focus on the experience you're having, you'll never get to the 10. The only way to get to 10 is to focus on the experience you deliver. When you deliver a 10 out there to the people around you, you'll have a 10. Boom. That's what it takes. Boom. Boom. (laughs) That's what it takes. That's a great way to wrap up the show. That's a really awesome nugget power wisdom right there from Danny. So Danny, where can we find you online? Because I know people heard this conversation with you and they're itching for more. So where can they find out more about what you talked about in the show today? Yeah, a great place to start is emovationproject.com forward slash brilliant. Emovationproject.com forward slash brilliant. And you'll get a free resource that'll allow you to ask questions about the situation in your workplace. Uh, you know, If you're listening to this and you, you want to use this kind of methodology at work, this resource is perfect for you. I'm coming out with a second version. And you know, so if you download this, you'll have access to everything else I create. So that's where I'd start. Excellent. Well, you gave us a lot to think about, a lot to do. And the magic is not thinking about it, folks. The magic is actually doing. So I trust that you got a lot of value from the episode today. By the way, there's this new technology called a rewind button and a pause button. So you can actually listen to this episode again. It's not like Mission Impossible. It's not going to disintegrate. So go back and listen to it again. There's a lot here. You probably missed some of it. Go get a notebook. Go get something to write with because you probably listened the first time when you're out walking the dog. Go get something to write with and listen to it again and pause and take notes. You'll get more out of the episode that way. So, Danny, thank you again for being on the show today. It was an absolute thrill having you on. Thanks for having me, Mark. It's really been awesome. 
And just before we go, don't forget to head on over to my website, mrproductivity.com. Take the free seven-question productivity quiz. Find out how productive you are, really. mrproductivity.com. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchowski Podcast. Until we meet again, my friend, go be productive.